Welcome to Guys We Fucked. <laughs> guys We Fucked. Guys We Fucked. I'm Christina. I'm Corinne. We're sorry, sorry about, about last, last night. night. The anti slut shaming podcast. <laughs> I never stop. <laughs> How you doing, fuckers? Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fuck. It's the anti-slut shaming podcast. I'm Corinne. I'm Christina. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced licensed therapist you can relate to and feel comfortable with. Each week, every therapist has at least... Oh, each and every therapist has at least a master's degree every fucking week and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com slash GWF. And to show your support for this podcast, use code GWF to get $30 off your first month. That's GWF at Talkspace.com slash GWF. Talkspace is good enough for Steven. It's good enough for anybody. (laughs) Come see us live. please. Uh, We are going to be launching the Bridget Bishop tour as we discussed a couple episodes ago in 2018. And we are going to be in so many fucking cities. Uh, Sacramento, San Francisco, Denver, Ottawa, uh, Buffalo, uh, San Diego, Philadelphia, Portland, St. Louis, Charlotte. Um, and we all have a shitload more uh, cities coming up. And those ticket links can all be found at sorryaboutlastnightcomedy.com slash tours. Uh, and tonight, ass. guys, it is the last Nacho Bitches of 2017 ooh, ooh. happening at 11.15 p.m. at New York Comedy Club, which is on the corner of East 24th Street and 2nd Avenue. Tickets are $12 with code NACHO. And uh, Blair moved to L.A., but she'll be back uh. sometimes. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to have just a series of really cool guest hosts. This month's uh, guest host is Rose Bud Baker, who you heard a couple episodes ago. She's a nutcase. She's going to be possibly vaping on stage. She really yes. likes to do that. Uh, it'll be a fun night. And then uh, New Year's Eve, as a reminder, Seattle slash Bellevue, Washington. I'll be all up in you with two shows. Uh, there are 50 and $60 tickets. It's fucking New Year's. That's the best deal you're going to get. It's me, Gary Cannon, Steve Byrne. Uh, and just once again, going to really be lonely. <laughs> Hey, you in New York City on Friday, January 19th at 7.30 p.m.? That's very convenient because you should come to Glamapus. Wendy Starling and I, as a comedian who's been on this podcast, uh, one of my favorite people, we're actually interviewing her for this week's bonus episode of Guys We Fucked, um, host it. We open every show as Nina and Simone. It's a fucking blast. It's at Zinc Bar in the West Village. 21 and up. Tickets are 15 bucks. You can find the link in the description of this very podcast that you are listening to currently. Uh, and thank you so much to our second sponsor of the day, Bowl and Branch. Let's not kid ourselves. You're not sleeping in. There's too much to <laughs> Ooh, do. Shit, Bowl and Branch. Drop a shade. You need to make your sleep count. <laughs> uh, so you need Bowl and Branch sheets. You'll be so comfortable that you'll fall asleep faster, sleep deeper, and mm. wake up ready to kick some ass. <laughs> what makes these sheets unique is that each one is crafted from 100% organic cotton. It's organic. That means Bowl and Branch sheets not only feel incredible but also look amazing Amazing. this is true they really do they have like a sheen to them that makes that just like you walk into your bedroom and you go 
I'm better than everyone else. Does a rich person live here? (laughs) And since Bowl & Branch sells exclusively online, you don't pay that expensive retail markup. That's half the price for twice the quality. You'll love these sheets. Try them for 30 nights and see for yourself. If you're not impressed, return them for a full refund. Anyone who sleeps on Bowl & Branch sheets loves them. That's why they have thousands of five-star reviews. The New York Times, Forbes, and the Wall Street Journal rave about them. And even three U.S. presidents. I like how they're so vague about which ones they are. I know. They still won't tell us which ones (laughs) are they. And I'm like... Have Bowl and Branch sheets. <laughs> uh, go to bowlandbranch.com today. That's B O L L and branch.com, and you'll get $50 off your first set of sheets plus free shipping to the US when you use promo code GWF. That's $50 off plus free US shipping right now at bowlandbranch.com. B O L L and branch.com, promo code GWF. These sheets are super nice if you're still like scrambling for a gift. Really great gift option. It, it is a super nice box. And no one thinks to give sheets. And it's like you're saving someone an errand and you're giving them nicer sheets and they probably would have sought out to buy for themselves. Yeah, I think uh, the, my key to gift shopping is if I don't know something unique to get for the person, I just uh, kind of spoil them in an area that they wouldn't normally spoil themselves. So it's like yeah. you're not going to buy yourself expensive sheets. Right. Uh, but get someone else expensive sheets. Because like, like, I love, those are my favorite kind of gifts. Like when yeah. someone gets me something that's like I wouldn't have spent this money on myself, but like I'm really glad to have this thing now. Hell yeah, dude. Hmm. That's I'm, what a gift should be. It's a, I know. A gift is a gift. Make them feel beautiful with your gift and like they're worthy of everything in the world. <laughs> um, it's important to drape your bed with important, uh, nice fabrics. It's also important to drape dad ass. I'm talking about me undies. Every year, millions of people receive at l- the least like gift of all time underwear. Ooh, off to a weird start, me undies. Uh, but we still <laughs> give it to our family and loved ones who just don't want it. Again, really negative right now. But maybe I've never it's, gotten underwear for Christmas. Uh, I haven't either. But that's a common. I know like families like, yes. uh, here, Billy, here's underwear. I would have given it to you anyway. <laughs> um, but maybe it's not that underwear is the problem. It's a kind of underwear. You're actually right. Let me tell you about MeUndies, okay? The only underwear that makes for an amazing gift is honestly, MeUndies sends Corinne and I free underwear all the time. And it's the only, and I'm not kidding you, the only underwear I own. I no longer have to underwear shop. And I'm very excited about that because this shit is fucking comfortable. I've been going to JCPenney, Victoria, all these places that I'm like, I guess I'll get this underwear. And it just feels like sandpaper on my pussy. Not me undies. It's made of one of the uh, most softest fabrics in the entire galaxy called modal. Okay. It's three times softer than cotton. It's got a soft, flexible waistband for dad ass. Natural, sustainably sourced, MeUndies made underwear the perfect gift that everyone is going to love. It's goddamn holiday miracle. And I read that verbatim off the copy, okay? This year, but it's also true. This year, don't give underwear. Give MeUndies. This holiday season to get ex- your exclusive 20% off these softest underwear and socks. And they have great yoga pants. You will ever wear free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee. You just got to go to MeUndies. M-E-U-N-D-I-I-E-S dot com. Just one I. I said two, but you don't fucking shut up. You know how to spell Slash G-W-F. Again, that is MeUndies.com slash G-W-F. MeUndies. Deck your pussy this holiday season. Wait, they have yoga <laughs> pants now? Well, they have like workout pants oh, that I've been wearing to yoga. That's They're nice. really fucking soft. They also have uh, onesies. <gasps> Shut the fuck up. Did you get one? No, well, oh, I tried good. to I get one. Really for, I, want, I tried to get one for free uh, by tweeting about it, but damn guess, it. We just email them. I guess I'm not good enough for hey, that. Hey, I'm not too, I'm not too proud to beg. I really wanted it, but then I was like, mm, I mean, I can't buy it. They sponsor the podcast. 
It seems a little silly. Meundies, can you please give us some of those onesies so we can also talk about those? Yeah, they look cute. Um, I would take so many Instagram pictures of them. I saw last night, I saw The Last Jedi, the Star Wars movie. Oh, I'm familiar, yeah. Also really loved James, had a Facebook joke about it. Yeah. He said the Star Wars movie was so bad that three generations of men grew up. And I told Steven that we were dying laughing. Yeah. Um, it is great, though. The movie's great. And uh, Oh, James seriously fucking hated oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I thought he said it was the worst movie. I thought it was a joke. Movie. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I fucking loved it. No. But my whole family has been Star Wars crazed since I was a little kid, mostly because my dad had an antique shop and we had like this... Uh, Light, not life size, but it was probably half the size of my couch. It was a Millennium Falcon model. It oh, was a, uh-huh. yeah, is there, they're like ship and shit. I saw the last, uh, the only Star Wars I've ever seen is the one before this one. Oh, okay. I that went was with I. James. Uh, I thought it was horrendous. It was, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> This I really isn't don't a, like it. This isn't a, I, I'm not trying to persuade anybody to like or not like Star Wars. No, I'm early. interested to hear what you have to say. But so I, for, since I was a little kid and my parents had those shops, I remember when my dad opened this uh, toy store in Virginia Beach, Virginia, it was called Toy Connection. And my mom and I had to stand outside at the end of the parking lot and I was in a Yoda costume and she was in a Darth Vader costume because she was taller. And we were like, come to the store. <laughs> like, I've just been, I feel like I've been surrounded by Star Wars my whole life. Uh-huh. I was Princess Leia like four years in a row for Halloween. Oh. But I ne- I never really, I always kind of was like, yeah, Star Wars kind of stupid. It's kind of stupid. I don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. And there's so many people, mainly, mainly, I kept trying to provide mostly and mainly and it wasn't working. <laughs> mostly men, I think, that really love it and it means a lot to them. Right. And my dad and my brother are one of them. And um, and I've kind of been surrounded by this Star Wars mania forever. And the, for the first time in this Star Wars trilogy of 80,000 movies I got going on. I fucking loved this movie so much. And I realized it's something so simple. Women were in it and they didn't fucking go, oh no, save me, Hans. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's why I, I remember after I saw Mad Max, I came on the podcast and I was like, holy shit, you guys. Because when people talk about wanting to see themselves reflected in culture, it, I feel like it makes a lot of people's eyes rolls, mainly white men only because they have been reflected in culture since the beginning of culture. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been represented and little, little boys have grown up saying, Oh, these superheroes are all men so they can see themselves. And I do feel like it does instill this confidence in you when you see yourself represented and the, the star Wars of this, uh, with the same cast with Adam driver. Oh, again, so hot. Oh, that's why you liked it. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, not just that, but like, yeah. God damn. I, if whoever's dating Adam Driver right now, whoever has sex with Adam Driver, mm-hmm. probably asked for a lot of those Ry- Kylo, Riley, Kylo, whatever the fuck. I see. I don't even remember. Ry- Riley Kylo, the band? No, no. Kylo oh. Ren is this character's oh. name. I was trying to find it in my head. Oh, I was like, I, I was like, he's not in Rilo. <laughs> the only no, the guy from Salute Your Shorts <laughs> is in Rilo Kylie. Really? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. The only character's name I remember is Ray because uh, that's the girl. But um, it, it's so nice to see chicks kicking ass, and you see a lot of chicks kicking ass in this new Star Wars, and you see a lot of races being represented, and it does make a difference. And I just think it's okay. So wait, um, can we go back to? So your thing is this is why men like it? No, no, no. I didn't like Star Wars oh, for the so longest this is time. Why you now like it exactly. So okay. I've been seeing Star Wars my whole life. I've been dressing as it. I've been yeah, okay, whatever. I kind of was neutral. I didn't have any connection to it, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize why until I saw the latest one. Okay, where Ray kicks 
fucking ass mm-hmm. and you see a woman like just kicking ass and that really means a lot mm-hmm. and that that was i feel like i was able to have a connection to it and i feel like um the force is my religion and not really i'm not that hardcore into it but i just i do think movies like mad max movies like the most recent star wars and and even like spring breakers when when there are female centric characters i saw a preview for a movie while i was um before star wars started playing and it was an adventure sports type movie about uh, I don't th- I think they were in high school I don't think they were in college about chicks playing volleyball but it was given the same attention that a movie with good like a Kill Bill type choreography uh-huh. and so and I noticed it right away it stuck out in my mind because I'm like and at the end uh, hell was Helen Hunt yeah Helen Hunt was in this volleyball movie as the coach or something and. <laughs> And, and then at the, one of the ending lines of this preview is like, do this for yourselves, okay? And it was just basically like female centric, but that, without being like girl power to feel condescending. And I've just been noticing lately a lot of um, women led movies, film, uh, uh, television shows. And I think it's really important. And I do understand oh, yeah, sure. like why... I, under, I always understood the notion of, you know, we want to see uh, uh, people of color want to see themselves reflected in that. Oh, and that also made me understand um, Michael, uh, who works as production company is a person we know. He directed this movie called The Problem with a Pooh. Mm-hmm. And it was about um, the comic Harry. What the fuck is his last Condibaloo? name? Condibaloo. Yes. Uh, <laughs> good, good, good bounce. Uh, and his problem with seeing like an Indian character being portrayed as a fucking 7-Eleven owner, essentially, and how right. that does do damage. And I feel like society as a whole will look at that movie and go, oh, quit your whining and the whole liberal snowflake bullshit. And it's like, no, I don't want to be seen as just a deli owner. OK, we're more than that. And so it, it does mean a lot. And I just wanted to I just wanted to say that because I've never really connected with a Star Wars movie in my life. And I've seen them all 10 times. Yeah, see, I think the main thing is that people need to have more respect for 7-Eleven owners and realize what well, yeah, that's a has dangerous done fucking for occupation. Our, our culture. What has it done for our I culture, mean, in your opinion? Uh, for me, it's like it's a it's a place that's always open when you're lonely and hungry. And yeah, I think and if that's you, a little underrated. That's true. And they provide stuff that's, you know, maybe not nutritious, but delicious. Uh, if you if you let yourself go in that store, you can you can pick out a you meal find, that's not terrible. Find some gems. I've done it before. Some lettuce leaves. Yeah, there's some there's some fruit and some nuts. Yeah, that's um, good. It's that's interesting because I yeah I'm not too into Star Wars. I didn't see this last one, but I saw the other one. And uh, but I was thinking about it, and I've never been in love with a man who wasn't in love with Star Wars. So there must oh. be. So I have this kind of weird, uh, uh, like six de- or not, or one degree of separation from Star Wars. Oh, so James is a Star Wars fan. Oh my god. He's oh, a okay. Huge Star Wars. I fan. thought. Oh, and he didn't like the last. No, that's why. If, oh, he did, if he didn't like Star Wars and he said it sucked, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take his opinion seriously. But right. Was, I remember, like, uh, well, that was like one of the first fights we got in because I was like, I don't like <laughs> Star Wars, and then he was like, I don't even know if I can date you anymore. And I was so okay. surprised that someone. Um, like just if, if you knew him, he's like the way he he carries himself. I was surprised that he was into something so nerdy and like, sorry if you're offended by that, but it is nerdy. You know, yeah, it is. nerdy isn't like a, a bad word anymore. It's I don't a good think. Word. Um, and uh, so it's very interesting. But yeah, he has like Star Wars shirts. And like I've gotten I've got I've bought so much fucking Star Wars merch oh. for people, uh, James included over the years. Oh, Frank okay. loved Star Wars. That makes sense. Everyone, uh, it's Tim, my first uh, boyfriend, all these people love Star Wars. Tim likes Star Trek more than Star Wars, mm. which see, I can get more behind Star Trek. I understand oh. that a little bit better. 
Um, but anyway, I, I like I like nerd stuff. I like X Men. I fucking love X Men, actually. Yeah, but you know, whatever. I don't so know. people wanting to see themselves reflected in the culture is a good thing and listen to people when they say that and right. don't, ro- don't roll your eyes but I think the key the key more than Daniel. anything is like it's like <laughs> it's hard you know like for instance like uh, you know we're white women and you yeah. know when we're making art we're gonna we're just gonna want to make art about ourselves and I think it would be inaccurate for us to be making art well do uh, what you know talk about what you know exactly. make what you know so I think it's just like if you want to see yourself represented in culture if you and just this goes for everything in life if you want to do something you got to fucking do it yourself and let's and that's just everything. women in comedy baby and it's not putting it's not putting the um you know it's not trying to put the weight on other cultures who have been underrepresented i think it's just like i, I think we've seen that it's not going to happen unless you do it yourselves uh and just like the same with this podcast we're like i was gonna you know say what? you know what we're not we're not being represented and we're not getting booked in the way that we want to we're not having the conversation and being invited to the conversations that we want to be having so you know what we're having ourselves fucking have them ourselves and podcasting is a really great way to do that so it's like yeah. obviously i know you can't just go out and make a movie about a young chinese girl i get it um but you can make a podcast about uh, okay. a chinese woman's experiences in whatever culture or place you're living in. And I think that's a really good place to start. And uh, production like companies and stuff are definitely like listening to podcasts and are on oh, to the yeah. fact that yes they are you guys also the next thing also I don't you feel though sometimes when movies or television shows they do like they cast these roles and it, it like the character token on South Park like that's what it is it's like you just casted somebody because someone told you to get a minority in the role but it's right. like don't like like that's why I liked the Star Wars because there was so many every actor in this was fucking incredible and it's like the, every every race has talented people that are brilliant and every race has people who aren't talented who really want to do it. Right. And it's like, you can take the time to find people that are good and will move your project. It just didn't feel like a pity casting. I like whenever they have a woman, like I feel like a lot of stand-up shows used to, I used to feel this way a lot with like, you just wanted a woman. So it wasn't a lot of dudes on the lineup. So it wasn't all dudes on the lineup. And it's right. like, Hey, I'll take what I can get. But it just felt like genuine. Like they really wanted to, well, yeah, I, I will say know. like when I was really added to the movie, I worked in an extras casting for a while. I mean, this was like over a decade ago, but I remember like sometimes we would be looking for Asian actors and there would there, we would have a choice of like three people. Mm. So I think it's also just like, you know, maybe maybe it's now time to kind of like revisit occupations and realize that it's not like hopeless as an Asian yeah. American to get into. Cause I feel like black and white people are doing pretty well with Latino. Like, and I, cause I was going to say when you were white talking people about fine. people, um, that's, well, I mean, I, I will say not to defend, well, but now being a white man is like you have to be the most talented white man that ever existed. <laughs> I mean, it should have been that way, which but. is which is interesting. To, yeah. to watch. But I mean, I, like with women represented, like Fast and Furious, Paula and I love the Fast and Furious movies. And then when you were talking, I was kind of thinking, I'm like, if Michelle Rodriguez wasn't in those movies, would I have liked them as much? Probably not. Yeah, like Michelle Rodriguez was definitely the oh, highlight for me. Yeah, and I liked it because she wasn't uh, overly sexualized, even though she's really hot and she has kind of like she's obviously presents as female but she does have like an androgynous flair yeah. that I like she's where you're so like, sexy is she a lesbian Ugh, I want her to be and I want her to make out she's with me if she would like very to very cute um so yeah that's it go out and go go out and do your own thing if you're a little Asian make the platform for listening. yourself be an actor and you can do it 
Um, mm-mm-mm. Okay, so I want to read this email. So I'm talking about people being represented because I gotta say, um, we got we get a lot of uh, emails. Like, you know, we don't mind constructive criticism, but a lot of times we get constructive criticism from people who are not in the group that they're telling the us we talk about. They're so fucking worried about. Okay, uh, and this is for a lot of things. It's you know, race, gender, etc. Um, but one we do get a lot of emails about is uh, trans people and that they're worried about how we're talking about trans people and things and and walking on eggshells around any conversation uh, about trans people, which I personally feel is counterproductive to progress. But that's just my opinion. Uh, I agree. And so every time... Um, we get an email like this. I always say, okay, cool. Thank you so much for the feedback. And I really try, I, I try to channel my best Christina Hutchinson and not assume positive intent and not just be like, I'm going to, I want to murder you <laughs> through email, you know? And it's really, that's really something I'm working on, but it does work magically. Like, especially on, on in social media interactions, like the other day, something got blown so far out of proportion. And I was like, oh, don't really? answer the way you want to answer. We're not in New Jersey anymore, princess. Answer the way that Christina would answer. (laughs) And it really did work. So thank you. Oh, yeah. I'm glad. Very difficult for me. It's hard for me. It's hard. It's funny because I don't want to look. You just think about protecting yourself from looking like an idiot. Well, it's funny because I don't have a bad temper like in real life uh, at all. Like I I really don't. I run pretty chill. But what are the chills people I know, actually? Just like something like the stupidity that is going online takes me from zero to 107 in a matter of a moment. And I and I need to protect myself as much as possible and stay off social media. But I also like especially Twitter, like I genuinely fucking love Twitter. Yeah, I love that's my favorite place to talk to listeners. I really like it. It's short. It's sweet. It's it's fast. I'm always going to see it. And like and so when people ruin that experience for me, I just take it really personally. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, anyway, we've digressed. Uh, <laughs> so basically, uh, we get in a lot of emails about uh, trans issues. And I always respond and say, thank you for the feedback. And then my second question is, are you trans? Not in a cunty way, just like curious. Are you, yeah. are you yourself trans? Well, you want to know, if, is this, is, are these feed, is this feedback coming from a place of experience? Because right. that's who we want the feedback from. And I got to say, every single time someone is mad, it is not a trans person and usually it's a young white woman okay anyway <laughs> moving on that's just hey it's what it is you're absolutely right if i would have had a bet who sent that email yeah. i would have said that and i probably would have been right and it's cool and i and I, I think it's cool to want to be progressive and i think it's great to be open-minded and to get angry about things that aren't just affecting you personally but also You've taken it too far. Okay. Uh, hey, Corinne and Christina. I'm a longtime listener and a huge fan of the podcast. Uh, but by the way, the the subject of this email is I'm trans. Here's my perspective. And I was like, thank God. Thank you. Uh, you're both hilarious and I love your content. The recent episode with Ian Fidance was great and inspired me to write into you. I mostly want to give you my perspective on the question you asked about dating trans people and when the right time is to ask questions about body parts really good really wanted the answer to this question oh angel shows you listening (laughs) you've already addressed that every trans person is different there's not a formula for how to talk to all trans people yeah because they're fucking people some are totally open want everyone to know about their identity and will talk openly about their transition some just want to blend in forget their past completely and never talk about it some are a mix of both of these things depending on the setting you really should understand this about a trans person before asking personal questions for 
me, it all depends on the setting as for how open I am. I was assigned female at birth and now identify as a trans man. Most of the time, I just want to blend in and fly under the radar without people knowing that I'm trans. I'm lucky enough to have had access to hormones as well as top surgery, so I look male and pass as one when I walk around in society. Most of the time, people have no idea that I'm trans, which feels safe and empowering to me. In my personal relationships, I'm much more open. My close friends can pretty much ask me anything, and I encourage it. They've asked me all sorts of questions. I've even shown a couple dick pics to my closest friends. The most important thing is that I already have a relationship with them and trust that they are being genuine. If I don't have a trusting relationship with someone and they ask me personal questions, I'm much less likely to answer. If someone comes off as aggressive or creepy, I'll say that I'm not comfortable with the question and will tell them to look to the internet for the answer. When it comes to sex, I'm very comfortable with my body and the parts I have. If we have a connection and might get physical with each other, that would be a good time to ask about my body And honestly, that's really the only time someone needs to know that information. Mm. I've had some really amazing experiences where the person is totally into my body and have had amazing sex. I've also had some ridiculous experiences that have turned me off completely from a person. These are some examples of really bad questions I've gotten on dating websites. Will you show me that pussy? Oh, what kind of plumbing? Oh, have you had the surgery? All of these make my stomach turn and I never respond to them. These questions came from strangers, so I know that they are sexualizing me and reducing me to my genitals. I'm so much more than that. Every trans person is, and that is the biggest point I can make. Uh... Curiosity is fine, but get to know other things about a trans person before you ask them about their body parts. And I'm going to stop right here and say, yeah, th- this is, you can think of this exactly as like being a woman. Are you going to, yeah. you know, I don't want to see that I'm attracted to not your penis. It's right. the person attached to it. Or like wh- how annoying it is when women, you know, as women, we are constantly sexualized. Like that doesn't, it's the same thing. Like trans people don't, whether they are trans males or trans females, do not want to be constantly sexualized. I think it's like the, the thing is like they're not a, fucking novelty they're just a human being uh so don't ask a total stranger about their genitals whether they are trans or not exactly when you do ask questions be respectful has some kind of relationship built with them and make sure the person has opened the door to allow you to ask follow their lead and don't be a dick thanks for giving a platform to this topic and for everything you've done with the podcast i hope to meet you one day from uh an ftm fucker Oh, female to male. <laughs> Jackson. Thank you so much for writing in. We really appreciate that. Uh, the best way to get to learn about other people is having conversations with those people, not sitting around a campfire and exchanging uh, stories of folklore about these people. Thank you for writing in. Um, I'm going to uh, just talk about this one thing really quick. Um I wanted to give a shout out to this person. They know who they are. I'm not going to say the name just in case of privacy issues. But uh, I wrote about this uh, man in in our book that um, really had an effect on me after he came up to us after one of our comedy shows, mm. our touring shows. And it was saying that um, yeah. his, you know, he's been listening to the podcast for a while and it kind of uh, helped him realize maybe the, the relationship that he personally was in. <clears throat> Uh, wasn't working for him. And he kind of was able to realize that for himself. And then he said he had recommended his daughter listen to the podcast. And that's when um, she w- finally kind of came out after listening to it a little bit, uh, saying, because she was comfortable enough to tell her dad that she was raped. Mm-hmm. And um, it really um, meant a lot to me. And I wanted to write about it. And a couple people I've talked to who have read the book have have kind of cited that example of like, oh my God, that's such a powerful thing. And I just wanted to read um, 
really quick because he he goes if it was me I wanted to give an update um, I feel <laughs> because I was able to open up and talk freely to my daughter she was able to open up with her therapist which helped her get through her treatment it's it has been almost five years uh, since the assault she has been able to have the strength to date new guys and break up with them when they don't treat her the way she wants to be treated at uh, 19 she is moved out on her own as a solid job new guy she is dating is in school to be a doctor and she wears the pants <laughs> she's growing up to be a strong independent woman and I'm super proud to be her father I wanted to be uh, thank you again for being bringing being the conversation starter needed for me to talk freely and openly about sex independence and not taking shit from anyone for any reason and he says P.S. if you read this uh, it was me and my daughter and uh, I have a running joke about one of the first episodes we listened to together if you could make this reference that'd be cool and he just puts a quote that we'd said no you don't <laughs> no you do not pull it like a lawnmower you definitely take a Mississippi <laughs> about uh, I think we were talking about we could have been talking about so many things I know I read but that I think and I was like sucking dicks or something huh you could take some Mississippi's with oh wait oh anal beads that's what we were talking about. Like, cause when you pull them out, like a mm, lawnmower, uh-huh. when you go to start a lawnmower, what's a Mississippi, like a one Mississippi. Oh, two that's, what Missis- I that's what I thought. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, yeah. Is this yeah. Something I don't know about. Yeah. 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 Mississippi <laughs> to Mississippi. Mm. Um, so thank you for writing and you're lovely and you're great. Um, you know, us lovely and great. Today's guests. We got two. Okay. Mm-hmm. She, he, let's start with he. We'll start with he because we're going to say the names. I said I was going to do it. See, I'm already fucking up. It's fine. Don't worry about it. He is America's favorite sex geek. He created the Cuddle Party. He speaks at universities on sexual assault prevention and healthy relationship skills. She is a sex ed- educator. She's an author of the critically acclaimed sex ed book, Girl Sex 101. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Reed Mahalko and, and Allison Moon. Teach me, move me. Make you my princess, my honey Smile with me just once more Come move me my way excited to interview you guys you've been on my radar forever thanks to steven and uh we hung out last night 
And I got the story of how you guys met, but uh, tell the room oh dear. and the world. Oh, dear. I'm going to pass this on. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I was living and working in Los Angeles. I was a card carrying lesbian at the time. I was working at the L.A. Gay and Lesbian Center, uh, which is now the L.A. LGBT Center for inclusivity. And uh, I met Reed came over. He was a New Yorker at the time and was there with his boyfriend, part of a queer film festival. And so I assumed he was gay. Because mm-hmm. in my head at that point, bisexual men were just like unicorns, fantasies. Right. Only in movies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I assumed he was flir- safe to flirt with and there would be no stakes attached. And it turns out that he was bisexual. There were stakes attached. There were stakes attached. Uh, bisexual and polyamorous, uh, both of which he made clear in a long conversation we had about art and sex and queer rights and activism and feminism and all these wonderful things. And as that con- conversation turned into, oh, yeah, I'm bi, I'm like, Wait, what? And were you I, like, yay? Or were you like, oh, don't flirt with me? <laughs> no. Well, at that point, he had already kind of ingratiated himself to me because I was like, wow, he's smart and passionate about interesting things. And we have a lot in common. Those opinions have, have changed. Since oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. They've they've deepened. <laughs> and you guys have been together for a total how how many years? Over 10 years now. 10. Ten and a half, yeah. Damn. Yeah. And what sealed the deal? Like what what made you uh, want to touch each other's junk? Can't be written. No, 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 no. The moment that sealed the deal. You you were very proud of this moment. Oh, yes, I can't I can't the let the story pass night, yes. without So in the conversation that we were having, I I kind of I thought he was a little bit of a cheese dick. Wasn't my flavor. <laughs> Even when I dated men, you thought I was a cheese let that dick. stand yeah. on the record. That's great. Yeah, it's a but good word. Yeah, even when I dated men, I was into like the skinny, tattooed bass players. You know, I wasn't mm. into like the big blonde puppy dog types. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I don't know who this guy. But he was about to make a point, and he kind of had his hand out, and he was he reached out, and he, I saw he put he held his hand in the air like eight inches above my knee, and he says, "I'm so sorry." I realize I want to make a point about the thing I'm about to say, and I want to touch your knee to like impress that point upon you, but I also don't want to touch you without asking you. And I was like, what, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> never in my life has a man asked to touch me in an innocuous way before. And I'm like, who is the dream guy? world? I know. The dream world, Al. <laughs> I was like, that was just so outside of my experience of men. I'm like, okay, I may have to reframe my relationship to masculinity because this was kind of amazing. So that was like the moment that like, allowed me to even consider possibly allowing Reed into my life and or vagina. Did you have bad experiences with men that made you go, (laughs) yeah, fuck them, I'm just going to date chicks? Or were you like, I think I'm mainly attracted to women, so I'm just going to date women? Kind of both. You know, Mm. I was like, I was bisexual very happily in college, like, probably 98% of humanity, (laughs) at least the way I think of it. Everybody's, we're all bugs, you know, by until graduation. No. Bugs? Bugs. Bye until graduation. Is this a new I thought you meant the Disney. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, I realized what you're saying now. And I was like, uh, no, I heard that. You were thinking of the the animated movie? (laughs) No, I I just thought like I thought all insects were fucking all other insects. That's what I thought you meant by that. Also, it's kind of true, but in a horrifying way. That's that's an entirely different thing. Yeah, no, but so I I, I was bi and I was very comfortably bi when I was surrounded by like amazing feminist men because I went to a very liberal school. And then I moved to Los Angeles. And I was quickly uh, disabused of those notions that ah, men could be awesome. Oh, yeah. It was really, it was pretty gross out there. And so, yeah, it was this combination of like, once I realized that like the average woman was way more interesting to me than the average man, I'm mm. like, oh, maybe I'm actually just way more gay than I thought. Right. Um, 
and I kind of, I think I just had a series of really great situations with men where I'm like, okay, great. Like I'm, I like, both or all genders equally. And then I'm like, wait, no. Now, do you have any tips on how to, how to make this change? Cause I also find women way more interesting, but I can't get myself to fuck them, but I'm willing to try really trying to push it. This, I mean, this sounds like a Women joke. Women are just more tolerable. No, no, no. Generally, kind of a real. Qu- I mean, no, no, no. It I is a it. joke, but it's also a joke that's like, please tell wink, me wink. The facts. Wink, wink. You can't see this. Make me buy yeah. I'm trying no, I mean, to be I, funny, I but I mean this. I would like to be straight lesbian. I'm not trying to dick around in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't All like. Or nothing. I can't. I can't necessarily rid you of of uh, dick desire, but I can certainly encourage you towards the uh, the vulva side of things. <laughs> I don't um, even know if it's like dick desire. It's just the dick's there, and I like the person attached to it. Yeah, it's more like like a like a bath. You're like, this isn't. I know this isn't good for me, but I like how it feels. <laughs> wow, baths aren't good for you. No, I mean I don't think so. It's uh, kind of like rolling, but f- inside filth. Yeah, you're just sitting in a uh, pool of your own. <laughs> I mean, have you ever like when a kid wow, have you I, ever taken a bath and then looked down and been like, this is brown? I, mean, I, I took a bath the other night because I was stressed. That. I yeah, mean, I guess I never really looked down at the water. I hope there was enough. bubbles to hide the, there were. the filth. <laughs> so being a straight woman is soaking in your own filth. I mean, I think that's actually... I mean, that feels pretty accurate, actually. And in the filth that would be others. the title of my biography, yeah. Soaking yeah. in His Own Filth. Read the story. Oh, gosh. I don't know who made that. I mean, my mom might have said that. She soaking was, in your own filth? Yeah. Damn. I think it's maybe just because she didn't want to give me baths anymore as a kid. She was like, just take a shower, handle it yourself. <laughs> I'll get to the bottom. Do what you got to yourself, correct? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but back to fucking women. Yeah. Uh, how, how? So my, I will say that the first time I had sex with a woman, I did find it gross in this. Really? Like, yeah, I did. And I'm so happy because when I first this. when yeah. I first licked a vagina, I was like, mm, tastes like pennies. I don't know if it's good. <laughs> pennies. Was she on her period? No. Oh, okay. Oh, I wow. mean, I don't know. Yeah, no. There were, the lights were on. Okay. I could right tell, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, so I I mean, because it's it's very hot and moist and all those things. Like I had ridden a lot of dicks at that at that point, And I was like, okay, like I get how this works. It feels very, very efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like when it was all of a sudden like, yeah, just hot. And, like it was, it was weird and gooey, you know, and I wasn't really prepared so for gooey. And yeah. even when I masturbated, I didn't masturbate. Like I wasn't into fingering myself. I was all clit stimulation. Mm, so like, yeah. so like mm-hmm. I wasn't ever like penetrating myself in a way where I'm like I'm getting used to yeah Yeah. hot moist holes um hot moist holes we're really crushing it with the names of things (laughs) this is great we got improv team names or band names (laughs) autobiography names I'm just gonna sit here and remain quiet (laughs) I am amongst them (laughs) yeah but I think I think and it just you know uh, but I liked the person I was with and she was really sexy and so I'm like okay this is a thing it's weird and and then I've like got used to it and then I'm like okay actually I really like this because I like I, I actually really learned that I enjoy giving a woman pleasure right like I love mm. the faces that she makes and the sounds that she makes and mm. I love breasts and I love smells and skin and so the vulva was kind of just like part of the game I think in general like my personally I like genitals are never like my favorite part of sex you know and some people for them that is but I yeah. like okay, genitals are just something that kind of goes along with it more nerve endings this is something that's fun but I think for me sex is more about skin on skin and yeah. kissing and holding and You're Right. I never thought about it like that before. Shit. And and I mean, yeah, I guess pussy can be an acquired taste. Yeah, I think so. Because I have a bit about like, uh, Hmm. you know, a lot of straight guys when they're young and they see their dad's playboy for the first time and they realize like they're aroused by a woman. 
and they're like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And then women never, at least with straight women, you never hear a straight woman go like, oh my God, like I stumbled across this dick magazine. I was like, what are these like giant baby cocks? And <laughs> like women don't get excited about cocks when they're little, but little boys who are bi or straight will get excited about titties. Mm-hmm. And it's always confused. But, but isn't that in, in, is it the right word, inexorably? Inexorably. Inexorably. Isn't that in, linked with like taboo? Like when, when, because I'm old enough that you only found a Playboy either in your dad's door or in the woods. Whoa, Playboy right? in the like, woods. Un, like under the log. Oh my, oh my yeah. God. And you're like, Billy, look, we found a whole stash. Yeah. Wait, have um, you ever found Playboys in the woods? Yeah. Whoa. Okay, we'll get back to that. <laughs> I guess um, he lived in a more rural area than us. <laughs> with, with, with. Uh, you're not like going to Roosevelt Island. That were so <laughs> petrified of getting caught with the fucking Playboy, apparently. No, but like this was kind of like you, you hid that. Like this was before the internet. There was a time before the i don't internet. believe you and you but but every, but but part of it was it was like linked to to it was illicit it was taboo uh-huh and so i'm always curious when i geek out with people about like when did you first notice a turn on mm. and what was it about and we've got kinky friends you know one of our friends the illustrator of your book allison was like oh no no like the smell of my grandmother's leather gloves anchored something for them mm. And interesting. And now she's really into boot blocking and le- and leather. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like there are certain things that you just find that like you're. I mean, we had friends who tied up their teddy bears as part yeah. of their playtime. Yeah, and I'm like, hey, and they're really into bondage now. Weird. Kids, their kids who sexually tie up their teddy bears. Yeah, uh-huh. before they knew before they knew what bondage was. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily wow. sexual. They were just like, I'm going to play villain, and you're going to be the yeah. victim who's and, tied. Huh. And, and I I appreciated like you know Playboy. But it was really for the articles. But the mm-hmm. but the but the thing for me really was for for me it was penthouse form. Mm-hmm. It was the erotica, and all of that. Like dear penthouse form, I never thought this would happen to me. Mm. And so for me, words and ideas were way more arousing and and interesting to me when I look back now than you know pictures of boobs and bush. Mm. So it's, oh, that it's, makes it's, sense. It's, it's interesting. Okay. So I guess not every. But yeah. I think everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've tried, I'm trying. I don't remember being aroused by a thing. I just remember being on top of a stuffed horse that I got for Christmas was when I was a little kid, and I was on like on top of it. So I was like, "Well, this feels good," but I don't want to fuck a horse. <laughs> You know, oh. it wasn't nothing to do with the horse. It was just right. having to do with oh, this is a feeling. I because yeah. I don't remember any other senses in the air at the time well i mean i used to like a hump of a bedpost i wasn't into the fucking bedpost are you sure (laughs) yeah i am (laughs) it was just the feeling yeah Yeah. and reed how did you get to the point where you would not put your hand on a woman's knee without asking for permission that's Um, it that's not something you hear every day yeah well i mean like the x-men origin story of this is really my mom found discovered my brother and i when maybe we were eight and seven, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, it was around that age. She came into her bedroom, my mom and dad's uh, bedroom, and we had like all of dad's Playboys out <laughs> from the from the bottom drawer, like all spread out. And we had them all opened up to the centerfolds. And my mom like caught us and we were like making out with the centerfolds. Oh, that's kind of sweet. <laughs> I did that to my Justin Timberlake poster. Yeah. And we were like, but we were also making out with boobs and, and bush, right? But, nice. and, and we were old enough to know that we had just been caught doing something that we probably shouldn't have been doing, even though my mom and dad were actually quite sex positive by, you know, those terms back in the day. Mm-hmm. And my mom caught us and we were like busted. And we knew somehow we were busted, but we weren't really exactly sure for what. And my mom was like, 
put all the playboys away except for one and i'll be right back so she she ducks out of the room she probably went downstairs and just had like a shot of something (laughs) good for her um and then she sat us down on her bed and like when i tell this story like i can remember like what the what the carpet was like and and, how old were you like the uh i think i was eight okay at the mm, i mean maybe i was seven and my brother was six but like it was around that age right Mm -hmm. And she sat us down and she's like, okay. And she just walked us through the Playboy page by page and then basically had a conversation that turned me into a feminist. Whoa. Even though I don't know she would have identified with with feminist then, Mm -hmm. but she basically laid out why it was perfectly normal to be curious about women's bodies, Mm -hmm. to want to kiss women's bodies, and that we needed to understand that our experiences as young boys, as young men, were going to be very different than what women were experiencing. Wow. And then, so that she kind of like anchored the like, you need to treat people, like all people with respect, but understand that women, it's it's different for women. We need it more. <laughs> well, but like, it's it's just, it's it's tougher. Yeah. It's basically the, the you know, six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old version of what she was saying. And then she, she walked us through the, and someday you'll want to actually kiss a real girl. Mm-hmm. And then there's a thing called petting. And then there's heavy petting. And I remember my brother Ryan, like looking up at my mom and being like, what's heavy petting mom. <laughs> and she told us and we were like, Ew. what did she say? Heavy petting was like, Is that fucking no, like touching genitals oh. and wanting to like, not just like touch people's bodies, but like touch people's private parts. Okay. And my, and I remember my brother Ross and me both being like, Oh, we don't know about that. Right. My mom and called that heavy breathing, heavy breathing. Yeah. It wasn't heavy putting. It was like the degree of like kissing and then heavy breathing. And you never want to get past the heavy breathing part. Cause that's the dangerous part. Oh, so, so for my mom, she was like, and then there's like sex. Like you, you want to have sex and a lot of people wait until they're married to have it. Some people don't, but generally speaking, it is more, it's, it's less complicated when you wait until you're married, Hmm. but it's okay if you don't like, which is back in. (laughs) Well, but like, so, so I was born in 68. So if I was seven, seventies, that's what I was thinking. But again, like this was, this was a big deal, but I didn't know it then. You didn't know it was revolutionary. But what it anchored was, Oh, I need to respect women and understand that what I'm experiencing isn't what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. So that was the answer. That's anchor. a great mom. Damn. And I wish every little boy could have that conversation. Yeah. And so she normalized something for me. And, you know, and then I'm, I grew up to be a comic book nerd and, you know, like we, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And then me kind of coming into my own, figuring out who I am sexually and understanding that I felt more at home hanging out with women, like as the captain of my football team in high school, all the guys would be hanging out together, like on our carbo loading before the game nights. But Mm -hmm. I would be hanging out with all the moms and cheerleaders because that was way more interesting conversation. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. What were the guys talking about that you were just like, yeah, it was like, whatever. Like I, you know, I was either, I was either hanging out with women or I was reading like, some ninja spy novel because oh, okay. you know, I was in the martial arts back then too. <laughs> like it was just weird. Like a lot just, of I'm a, a dork. I'm a dork. I'm a yeah. dork. And then that would come into this like understanding of like, oh, I feel more comfortable with queer women than straight women. Why was that? Now I can look back and be like, oh, it's because straight women were trying to complete some story. 
within themselves. Well, like the, the you know, like kind of like the overarching arc of, you know, I need a man to complete me. And in queer women, we're like, whatever, I don't need you. Oh, interesting. And if you didn't need me and you wanted to be around me, then that means you really were choosing me. And that just felt like way less pressure. And then I also think, and this one of my psychiatrist friends, when I told them this, they're like, that's very astute. I think I have a really strong need to feel special. Mm-hmm. So women who don't sleep with men who will even hang out with me must mean I'm special. Oh, okay. And I said that once to my psychiatrist and they're like, that's, that's very astute. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I don't think it's rocket science. But at the same time, like, I like the politics of queer feminism and I don't know. And, and then I would eventually figure out I'm queer, mm-hmm. you know. And, and queer to both of you means I like it all. Is that what? What is your definition of queer? Because I've never everyone. And also I think some a lot of different define ones. it differently. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is kind of the point. I mean, for me, the bisexual label fit for me fine in college. And then once I kind of had my realizations about myself, bi didn't fit for me as well, because I think bi kind of implies like an equal attraction to all genders. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you are as long as we have connection, which is, I think, a really valid sexual orientation. But I'm like, I still really like ladies. And so Uh. it's like, I think for me, it just didn't feel fair to say I'm bisexual when actually the odds are much more in the favor of a woman than it is a man. Mm -hmm. Um, So for, for, I think queer often means to a lot of queer people, like, like it's just the beginning of the conversation, right? Oh. Like, okay, like, great, you're queer. Like, what kind of queer are you, right? It, and Reed always uses the analogy of like jazz musicians, where he's like, oh, you, when you find another jazz musician, you're like, oh, great, what kind of jazz right. are you into? It's always like the more granular conversation follows. Yeah, you go down another more specific level, right? Cool. Yeah, because it's ultimately about self-expression. And, you know, when I geek out and, and teach about this stuff, it's like we were all raised in conservatory. So classical, I'm doing air quotes now, can't see. Um, (laughs) Classical music is monogamy and, you know, one partner forever until you die, get married, have kids kind of a thing. Right. But, which is great for people who love classical. Mm -hmm. But if you went to conservatory with somebody and your roommates with somebody who loved Bach and and Beethoven and you were good at it, but it didn't, you didn't get thrilled the way they got thrilled, Mm -hmm. then you just feel broken. You feel like something's, I have to work harder at this. And it just leaves you feeling empty until you stumble down that alleyway late at night, distraught, and then you hear music you've never heard before. I feel like a lot of people are have that where they feel a little broken just a little bit and they'll never address it. Like they don't want to address like the, the monogamy conversation is such an interesting one to have with people who are, you could kind of tell that that's just how they were taught. So that's why they believe that. But when you really ask them, they they'll say the same thing, but you're like, no, but like think from your heart, not from what you've been taught. I was saying like monogamy is a perfectly valid choice as long as it's a choice. Right. And most people never even never do the work it. to figure out, yeah, whether right. they would want it or not. Yeah, that's like exactly how I feel right now because like I, I came into this podcast definitely not feeling like I was monogamous. And then I went through this whole four year thing and then I came back to it and I was like, you know what? I think I am. Mm-hmm. And, and this feels good. a lot better. Like mm. this feels a lot, this just feels like, like comfort, but not in a lazy way, in a mm-hmm. good way. Like I did the work to then take the nap or whatever. Right. You use. And then you can make those, those really clear declarations of what you want in your life. It's like, right. this is the what I'm looking for in a partner. This is what I'm looking for in a future. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just kind of just fall face first into a future and a partner just because they were a perfectly nice person at the right time, and, and, which mm-hmm. is not actually like a recipe for sustainability. Mm. And the other thing that's happening is like, you know, I'll, I'll speak for myself, but having had many conversations with folks about this stuff 
I grew up in a family where my mom and dad loved each other very, very much, was super apparent, but their communication skills sucked. Mm. So over time, you know, their, it was like, you know, death by paper cuts. They had all this emotional scar tissue from these little things that piled up and then turned into big things later. And they couldn't reconcile any of those situations. So I grew up with the the adage that relationships are just hard work. Yeah. And, and so when I, you know, a great analogy that seems to work for a lot of people is like when a car is driving up a hill, the engine just has to work harder to get the car up the hill. Like that's normal. Nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. But the family I was raised in, the parking brake was always on in the car. Mm. So there was all this extra effort and the smell of burning brake pads that was just normal that never should have been there in the first place. And most people aren't taught how to distinguish between, you know, somebody got sick or family member passed away or we just had kids and we sleep deprived. And this is a, a big change in our relationship. And this is extra effort because we just have to work harder right now mm-hmm. versus the parking brakes on and something's wrong and it's and it's not good for the system how do you how do you identify that what what questions you ask you or, or what because it is a different feeling whenever i figure it out i look back i'm like oh yeah that wasn't just uh we're sleep deprived kind of thing but how do you i never am able to catch it in the moment well and this is where i think with you know, for Allison and I, and just like identifying as queer, you know, I identify as a queer polyamorous slut and like all of the aha moments I had to have around this, whenever you deconstruct something, which is not everybody's, you know, particular taste to tear things apart and then re-examine them and to, and to put them back together in a way that it is your choice as an act of reclamation, as an act of empowerment. So mm. for me, just growing up in New Hampshire and, you know, being the captain of the football team and things like that. Like I just never, it never dawned on me that I might not be straight. Right. Okay. Like it just never dawned on me to be anything but monogamous because when you met somebody who was awesome and you fell in love, of course you got married Mm -hmm. and then you had kids. That's also really interesting. Like it might be a function of bisexuality, right? Like I think with gay people growing up, you have this notion of like, I don't like the gender I'm supposed to like, like they want me to. Mm -hmm. And so I have to, I have to re-examine this from like puberty or even before puberty. Whereas with bisexuals, you're like, oh yeah, 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 no, no. I like that too. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. And then you never have the, the, or you don't often have the chance at puberty or high school to like examine like, but I also like this gender. And then what does that mean? Well, and, and I fell in love with my high school sweetheart and, and it wasn't until college when I fell in love with somebody in my art class that I had this quandary because I, then it could only mean I must not love Lauren. Oh. And I had to like, try to figure out how to reconcile all that. Yeah, because the guilt, I would imagine, of oh my God, like first it, experiencing it, it, that. It means I wasn't ready to, it wasn't real love. I wasn't ready to settle down and be a grown up. Like all of these meanings that were that were always there became really apparent. And so in my boneheaded genius, and I remember telling my, one of my best friends who was also my karate instructor at the time, I'm like, Sensei, I'm in love with two people at the same time. And he was, he Did was a lot of no karate move for yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. like Daniel-san, it's no defense. <laughs> love like twice. Um, but then it's, that was really bad. Uh, oh, bad Miyagi, sensei. Miyagi. Yeah. Horrible. But again, That's right. but, but basically I'm like, I'm like, if I just, if they meet each other, 
somehow they'll figure it out. Like, well, it'll all make sense. Oh, they meet Wh- each other. They'll be cool that you're both in love with both of them. Which is a great, <laughs> healthy relationship tip later. Like, don't hide anything from people. Right. Right. That but, sounds like a Maury episode. But when... <laughs> Ed, fight them both to dinner. So yeah, I was happens. like, I don't know how much later I'll be ready to meet the other girl my yeah. boyfriend's yeah. in love with. Maybe like he can tell me. But, I don't know if I want to like shake her hand. But then when I put them both in the same room and told them what was going on, it was a horrible Wait, idea. Yeah. It was okay. horrible. Wait, Thank so God. your sensei told you. No, he goes, that is the stupidest motherfucking oh. idea ever. Sensei knows. Sensei knows. Sensei knows what's up. What? So you, you actually Bob, put, you actually had <laughs> the these two women sensei. meet. Yes. And you were in college and you were in yes. love with both of them. Did you tell them why they were all, we were all meeting? Uh, no. How'd you pitch Ooh, this one, Reed? That's what I want to know. Damn. Oh, shit. Yeah, what did that, what did, what You're was You're learning, you know. Yeah, but again, like, the Whoa. the better way to do this, like, like now, light years later. No, no, but no, I want, yeah, I want, yeah, I want you to answer the question. Don't, don't, don't want skip, to, how it went don't badly. skip to when you were smarter. Like, let's, like, let's, <laughs> we want this bad day story. This I'm sounds like, great. I'm like, um, We'll play the song from American Idol. It'll be a, an excellent. Yeah. No, it was like, um, <laughs> so-and-so. First love meets second love. Second Ooh, love meets first love. You didn't love. say it like that. No, I'm okay, not. I, but I'm, I don't have permission to dive. You no, know, you don't particularly have use their names. And they just looked at each other, and I'm like, I like both of you, and I thought that the best thing to do would be not to hide this and just come clean about it. And I don't know what to do. And then it was What'd uncomfortable silence for about 20 minutes <laughs> 20 minutes everyone just kind of looking minutes. at each other and me trying to make it okay and then i oh eventually God. one of them was like can i can i just leave now oh i know i can't believe both girls stayed for 20, 20 minutes. minutes it felt well, they, like 20 minutes because you know what maybe it was less Honestly, wow. it, was a lot. it was a lot okay it was you, more than two minutes when okay. someone is honest with you and you can't identify right away like wrong way to deliver that honesty to me sir but when it, it it's this tug of war, right? Like, okay, I'm, I, he, fuck you. Like, they're probably so angry, but then you're being honest. So you, I can't say you don't feel that way because you do. That's very confusing. That's yeah. probably why they stood there for 20 minutes. <laughs> and, and I hadn't, I hadn't cheated on Lauren yet. Oh, like it wasn't, it, but, but like, so I was yet. the Hallmark card. On you. Yet. Dear so and so. I haven't cheated on you I yet. I haven't cheated on <laughs> you. It's like yet. a Justin Bieber song. Hallmark. Um, but, but again, like it was, the, the impulse was, was correct. Right. And in that, it was in the absence of knowing what to do, be honest. Yeah. And, and it does feel good. I remember when I told Steven I had a crush on somebody. He wasn't happy, but I was like, I'm being honest and I don't want to hide any. You mm-hmm. don't want to hide it from the person you love. But then you also understand why it would hurt their feelings. And you're like, yeah, fuck. Should I not say anything? I don't know. Right. I mean, may I step in and say, <laughs> use Miss vicious. I mean, if I told my boyfriend every time I had a crush on someone. I mean, how often do you have a crush on someone? Like, I mean, all the time. I, I oh, just, I mean, I mean, like every, every workplace or class I take, I mean, I can't even get through it if I don't pick someone to have I a crush you. on in the class. It's like what keeps me getting up and going. Like I have to do something. Totally. Um, a reason to put on makeup in the morning. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. how do you know? Reason to perk those tits up, girl. <laughs> how do you know the difference between like, how did, what made, like, I'm sure you had other crushes before. Like, what made you feel this like deep, passionate love that you think that you had to tell your girlfriend? Like, that's my question. Like, what's, did you, was there any like differentiating well, process? For me, this is how, I mean, in many ways, I think I was 
so wired to do a good job to be a classical musician. Okay. That it just, I fell in love. She was awesome. Why would we, why would we end this? Mm-hmm. Right. I was going to be a virgin until I got married. Then I realized. Oh, so you were just horny. Well, <laughs> no, but this was a thing. Like, I knew what we would get to an answer. <laughs> no, but for, for, for my first love, it was, she was like, whenever you're ready, mm-hmm. like I'm ready to have sex. Okay. So she was ready to have sex yeah. before you were. And then, and then I'm like, well, I'm in love with you. We're looking at wedding rings. So I'm going to be with you the rest of my life. So I guess we can have sex. Like you've been waiting patiently now for like a year or whatever. Okay. So we decided to have sex. I lost my virginity to her. We looked for two weeks and we never found it. And then we called off the search. (laughs) And then it would be like two years later, a year, (laughs) year and a half later that I would fall in love with this other person. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't have a way to reconcile it. So I just came clean about it. Right. Can I, can I ask, was, was the new girl at your school and the other one not at your school? It was a long distance relationship with my first love Mm -hmm. and my, and my second love was in one of my art classes. And and that kind of makes sense. That makes sense that that would, would breed itself for you to feel stronger than just a crush on somebody. But like in love, like, did you, were you really close friends with her? Like, how did you know you were in love? Well, I was smitten with her. Like, but for me, that intense desire, I'd only ever had for one other person. So you hadn't experienced the feeling before, but like in retrospect, would you still call that love? Yeah, it it was immature love in that way of like, like when you're getting smitten, you you just call it love. Like you slap that label on it. Okay. But like upset, you just can't stop thinking about them kind of thing. Yeah, but obsessed. I mean, then I was in love with Dane Cook if we're going past. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. It was in college. I've retracted this. No, I I met him and I told him. I'll text him and let him know. (laughs) But again, like, you know, it was, and it was also like this kind of romantic version of like, you know, I loved her art. She was you know, like she had a like blue a eye and a, and a brown eye. Whoa, that's so cool. Like I practical magic. Too. Yeah, it was like there was all <laughs> the this movie stuff. Practical magic, guys. This is what happened. I yes, know that movie. Yes, I don't remember thank you. that part. Yeah. So <laughs> he so loves again, that movie. But again, like, so all these things were happening. And then it was just like, well, then all of a sudden it was like, well, wait a minute. Like, I thought I was in love with my first love. But this. How could this, you be in love with two people? Yeah. Okay. Or, okay. And then it. and this was like, again, like. This was the the captain of the high school football team who was a virgin, and everybody in the state of New Hampshire knew this because it the, it's not an important story. But I like, mean, it seems like a yeah, very important but, but more it. like it, like everyone knew I was a virgin, and so that there was this like <laughs> he's the virgin captain of the football team. Was there like, no other virgins in your high school? I, there, I'm sure there were, but none they of them didn't were the know. You are such team. a Benjamin Franklin. You're like doing karate with, and then virgin, you're virgin, known virgin. Vir- most known virgin, <laughs> trying to trying to do a good job, like laying like, out your playboy, telling like, everyone you're in love with them, <laughs> fulfilling fulfilling on the like rules of what what it means to win at the game of relationships mm-hmm. like the conservatory version mm-hmm. okay so so then for me it all started to fall apart and i didn't know how to reconcile it and then that would be be the beginning of me trying to f- one figure out what was fucked up with my mom and dad about their relationship because i didn't want to go through what they went through because it was obvious how much they were in love but right. they were destroying each other so love wasn't enough so i'm i'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out what they were missing and How then long I, did it take you to figure that out? I mean, it would take about 20 years. Yeah. But but now this is why I do what I do. Like, this is my, I'm just trying to help people not go through what my mom and dad went through because I was too late to help them. 
Oh, right? like, yeah. So there's this weird, again, my, my, my psychiatrist friends are like, oh, that's well, really deep. I was also roots. It, I mean, I feel like it's very difficult for a child to be able to help their parents with well, their relationship course. anyway. But I, you know, I grew up with a, my mom in coping with her marriage would, would become an alcoholic. My oh, dad okay. became a workaholic Wow, okay. to try to solve things with money. Like all these missed opportunities where they really loved each other. Yeah. And then I'm wrestling with how to have healthy relationships and how am I in love with two people at the same time? Right. And when you're a kid and you experience turmoil in your parents' relationship, it's very hard to have the wherewithal, the emotional intelligence to feel, to realize what's going on. Oh yeah. And they were inappropriate with, like they should have seen a therapist rather than lean on their kids for support. But again, like how many, how many people do we know grew up in those kind of families? Mm-hmm. Well, people weren't also weren't widely going to therapists the way they are now at yeah. that time. I mean, it was like only like your, I guess like people who are like really quote unquote fucked up were going like something really bad happened. Let's go. Mm-hmm. But like now every like a court order. Yeah. <laughs> now everyone goes to therapy. Yeah. And so for me, it was, that was the beginning of the trajectory of starting to deconstruct all of this and actually question like, well, what does it mean to be in love? Mm-hmm. And like, what? what's a healthy relationship and you know what would eventually have me owning being promiscuous when i because i was good at monogamy it just didn't make me happy and what how do what was the breaking point in that um, did you end up cheating on somebody or did you did you kind of meet somebody who was polyamorous or, well, or eventually open in a relationship eventually like when i was i think i was like 29 Cause I'd have situations where I would cheat on somebody, but then I would always come clean about it, right? which would usually end the relationship. Uh-huh. Um, and then eventually I realized that I had a relationship where I was like, I was falling in love with somebody and I was already crushing on somebody else. Whoa. And I was like, so here's the deal. I, and I don't know how this happened, but I was like, I want to have an open relationship Like, I want to be able to sleep with other people, but not have it be playing the field. Like, I want to be in love with you. This is, this is Sandra, by the way. Um, The sex nerd? No, no, not, not not sex nerd, but but Allie knows. I looked at, I looked at Allison and Allison knows who I mean. But like, and Sandra's like, yeah, let's do that. Like, as long as I feel like you're committed to me, we can, we can do that. And was she in love with other people or would be in love with other people? In no, the but theoretically it all made good sense to her. Okay. So she wasn't bothered by it. No, it was more of a conversion no, very, kind of thing. She's a very com- a progressive person. Okay. Um, we ended up being a horrible fit for each other, but what was great was it was one of the most valuable relationships of my life because she was the first person where we figured out I was her dad in many ways and she was my mom. Yo. And then we, but we realized that like we were engaged, we were looking at, at, you know, where we're going to get married. And then we like had this, this epiphany where she's like, this, this has my father written all over this dynamic. And then I was like, holy shit, you're my mom. And I'm like, we're trying to have a redo that wasn't possible when we were kids. Oh shit. And it was such a huge epiphany for both of us. We we just sat there and we're like, fuck. <laughs> That's sad. It's kind of sad. And in that, she but this is what was so great about Sandra is Sandra's like, well, what do we do now? And I'm like, well, both of our parents are still alive. So why don't we work this out with them? And then an she option. and then she was <laughs> like, so do we get disengaged? 
because we were engaged. Right. And I'm like, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was so. The chillest it, disengagement. Well, ever. it was so healthy. Like we both recognized like, no, this is, it was like a conscious uncoupling. And that was huge for both of us to just realize what was going on. And then that was a big epiphany for me relationship wise. Cause I'm like, Oh, and then I was like thinking about all the conversations I had had with people over the years, being a bartender, being a doorman, um, working on acting sets and stuff like that. And I'm like, how many people are out there just trying to do redos with their, with somebody who reminds them of their parents. Wow. And it's like, like, cause the reason I feel like I've known you my whole life, is you're my fucking mom. Oh, I was like, cause in a past life we weren't gay. No, it's like, <laughs> no. that's the woo woo version, but uh. it's like, no, like you're my dad. Shit. Well, like, now I'm going to question yeah. when I feel that way. I mean, I definitely, one thing I always say to Steven, I'm like, you are nothing like my dad at all. My I love my dad, but the kind of man he is, is just not the kind of but guy I think he when, is. When you complete that stuff, whether it's therapy or some workshop or, you know, whatever experience, when you complete that parent piece, and you just give all the baggage back to your folks that's theirs, the, the oh. stuff you inherited, and you complete that loop, then who, who are you attracted to then if it's not this, this opportunity to try to redo something from your childhood? Yeah. And then, lo and behold, oh, Alice when, I, when I met <laughs> Alice Moon. Oh, and were you, were you guys, when you guys started dating, were you, uh, was it immediately agreed upon that it was going to be a poly or an open? Yeah, we were open from the very beginning. And open is different than poly, right? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, so yeah, the people can get really pedantic about that kind of stuff. Um, I think we probably both said it was poly because I mean, the, when you talk to polyamorous people, it's that they're very clear that it's like includes love relationships. Cause you're like, allowed to fall in love. Yeah, like opens like a, like queer, like a very umbrella term where it's like, you can be a swinger and you're an open relationship. You can be poly and you're an open relationship. You can be a sex worker and you're an open relationship. You can be kinky. And- yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's all the different flavors of open. Poly is just like one specific version of it. Um, so I think I, I hadn't heard the term polyamorous before I met Reed, but I had all I had also been doing a series of open relationships, um, mo- starting with uh, just cheating on everybody. Um, so <laughs> that's one way to really hey, kick well, it I'm into here. high gear. Yeah. yeah, like very unethical and non-monogamy. Um, and then once I was like, well, that's not working for me. Um, pretty much everybody I dated in Los Angeles were like, we're just going to keep it casual, right? Oh, Which is like the, the code LA word. Way. Yeah, the other C word, cheating, yeah. and then casual. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, just, <laughs> yeah, it's a great word. Yeah. But it's just code for basically like we're not gonna decide that we're gonna be monogamous. We're not gonna put labels on it. We're just gonna see you when I see you, you know. That's and just, to me, that's just like uh we'll we'll wait to see if I find anyone better and then maybe we'll yeah. lock this in later. Which, you know, actually kind of was how it worked out with Reed. I mean, basically <laughs> Exclusive, guys. We fucked exclusive. Romance story. (laughs) As in, he was the better one. Let's be clear. Oh, okay. I mean, you're both here today. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. No, I was. I was. Yeah, I was dating a series of people, and then I was like, oh, you know, I didn't really want to commit to any of them. They were all great fits, fun people in all different ways, but not like I'm gonna move in with them. Okay. And then I met Reed, and it was just a whole other thing. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. 
you want to be with me, not despite the fact that I'm queer, but because I'm queer, you are totally down with my gender presentation, which was like, I don't shave my armpits and I have tattoos and I have short hair and all the things. Yeah. And like all the things that I was taught that men don't like. Right. Um, Until suicide girls, I suppose. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, these notions of like, I just didn't have a traditional gender presentation, not very femme. And so all these things that I like men don't like me, which is fine. That's great. I don't want that. Did Um, you kind of do that because... Of that, I think it was actually more of like I have the freedom. Once I did, once I decided I didn't want to date men anymore, I actually was like, how would I actually like to look? Like, what are the women mm-hmm. out there that I'm like, you're a fly. I want to look like you. Yeah, and I'm not going to care about what men think about it. Like once I was like eradicated the outposts <sighs> men had in my brain, kind of thing. Man, yeah. one of, you're one of few. I feel like there it's it's tricky to do that to it not is. take into in consideration what the gender that you're attracted to or one of the genders you're attracted to thinks of you. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, and I don't want to like minimize the fact that like I am con- like conventionally attractive. And so I would have men who are interested in me just regardless of whether I had a shaved head or not. Right, and right, I don't right. want to think that, I don't want to say like I had it like hard or anything. Um, right. But at the same time, like I, I did feel like, okay, like I would like to cut off all my hair and dye blue or whatever. And I would like to get the tattoos I want to get and not care because I'm never going to be a banker and I'm never going to be a politician and mm-hmm. I don't care about those things anymore. And that was just a very clear cut. Like I think all of the like deciding that I was going to be like live in Los Angeles as a lesbian, all of that came at the same time of like, mm. I'm going to dress how I want to dress and I'm not going to give credence to the girl, my girlfriends who want to go out to the club and are making fun of me for wearing jeans that aren't tight enough. Right. Right. Um, and I was like, fuck all of this. And so it all came at the same time. And then once I, I I kind of believed that, okay, great. Now I'm making myself unattractive to men, which is awesome. So now I'm like, (laughs) great. I will have like one less thing to worry about. Easier. Yes. Oh, but you were also being self-expressed. It wasn't like you were picking all the opposite. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it to just to spite the paper, but it was just like a nice cherry on top. Yes, absolutely. It was a, it was added bonus. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Which is great. And how did your parents, did your parents give you a sex talk that was as open minded as, as Reed's mom? Yeah, actually, I was, uh, again, very, very fortunate. I was raised by two amazing human beings who are still incredibly stupid in love. Um, yeah, but my dad's a nurse, was a nurse. And so for him, it was really important that his daughters knew all the right words for all the right parts. Mm-hmm. And so I was like the, the Catholic, I was the kid in Catholic kindergarten teaching <laughs> all of my friends the words vulva and scrotum, right? nice. which was great. And I didn't realize how valuable that was until I grew up and like, I just kept on being that kid who kept on giving all of my friends friends the age appropriate information and answers to their questions because I was a precocious kid like I was reading all of like my mom's like Marie Claire magazines and all the stories and I just had a natural sense of like understanding sex and I also was very very fortunate to have like nobody quote-unquote interfere with my natural development like I had wonderful role models who taught me the right stuff and then allowed me to just figure stuff out on my own as I grew up yeah like I again as I as an adult as a sex educator I'm realizing how fleetingly rare that yeah. development yeah. really is. Do you guys ever come to a point where you're jealous of the other person for the affections of another person? Because, I mean, I, I in any situation, whether you're monogamish, monogamous, uh, open, whatever, like jealousy is a normal thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. And it's kind of nice because it keeps you on your toes. Because I like when... I like cuckolding, but when Steven like flirts with somebody else, it's not... I don't think it's hot, but I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Other people are attracted to him. I got to spice it up you know it's kind of nice but then sometimes i get jealous like who's that bitch so i'm curious if you guys have that oh i definitely get jealous reed reed and i teach workshops about polyamory and like all all people always want to know about the jealousy piece and i mean i definitely get jealous way more than reed does and i love it really he he starts talking about jealousy i'm like you don't know 
what we feel. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it's like some rare bird just flew and landed on a tree. I'm like, good goodness gracious, it's a green-bellied, you know, whoopee bill of jealousy. Everyone look. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How Shakespearean. Yeah, he, great. Gets, he gets jazzed about it. I still get kind of clobbered by it sometimes, but I, yeah. I found that like, usually it's because it triggers something about my my sense of self, right? Like like the gender thing where it's like, when I, we were first starting to see each other, he would have lovers who were very femme. I still Love, do. No, I know. But I mean, when we were starting to date, yeah. that bothered me a lot more because I'm like, okay, like, I because I think, I don't, didn't think I really believed in my heart that he that Reed really wanted to be with a girl mm. who had a sh- you know shaved head and hairy armpits and tattoos like I did didn't mm, okay. buy it and I didn't get it until like years into our relationship where I really felt safe like he actually like indulged in the way I looked and the way I way I did gender right um but until that point like whenever he would date a girl who was super high femme who like loved cock and who loved giving blowjobs and I was like I don't like blowjobs very much you don't no i don't like giving blowjobs so do you not yeah it's not fun you don't give him (laughs) it's not good oh i do but like it's more of like a special treat like it's like when he did something really good or (laughs) that's sweet ladies listen up hey some (laughs) take care of your man some women just don't like sucking a dick yeah i'm i'm i do but also i get for no reason i just do yeah, but then I get why you wouldn't equally like it yeah. makes a lot and of sense. And something I mean, like I like again, like I I like giving him head because I like the person it's a, the penis is attached to. Right. It's not yeah. about like some people really like the aesthetic of they like the feeling of their throat and all the things, which is great. And I'm like, God bless those people yeah. who are doing Lucky. all the the heavy lifting. It feels very demeaning to me when it's not someone that I like a lot. That's what I that's my problem with it. Mm. it Jimmy, just the whole motion where you are, you're on the ground, you're on the fucking ground mm-hmm. on your knees most times with something being jammed in your throat. Like it doesn't. I'll do that for someone like I love. It doesn't feel good. And even then I like to do it on the bed on top. So yeah, because then you get to I'm control. So winning. <laughs> but, like, but, but then again, like from a self-expression perspective, like what's something that you really do love? Mm, I mean, in the mirror. Sexual cr- I was going to say <laughs> cheesy gordita crunches. <laughs> uh, it's true. I mean, sexually, I mean, uh, just having like regular sex. And regular to you means... Like, like, like boring missionary, not, mm-hmm. well, not missionary, like me on top, just like, but bl- like, that's your jam. classic, classic, the hit dick and vagina sex. Like, let's get to the sex and you, and that's your jam. Yes. So like for me as a sex educator now, and for somebody who had to kind of reverse engineer what's healthy for me, because I had to go through, you know, oh my goodness, I like lesbians and queer women. Mm-hmm. And then it was, I think I'm promiscuous. What does that even mean? Because I was going to I was saving myself till marriage. And then it's like, oh, shit, like I'm not homophobic. I'm really not homophobic. Uh, Bye. (laughs) Like and 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 so then like all of those kind of deconstructing those things about myself Mm -hmm. ultimately led to the like, oh, when you take shame and guilt out of it, meaning you can walk with it because I still have a lot of shame stuff. Right. But for me, shame is a compass where I'm like, oh, I think I'm a bad person because I desire that. So yeah. that must mean I desire it. So let's see what that what's behind that door, which is really like this journey of figuring out like what self-expression is mm-hmm. when you take away what society told you were supposed to be. Oh, I wish everyone knew that and lived by it because you see so many people not, they're carrying the shame. So when it's your jam and then you date somebody who's like, no, I'm totally cool with you not sucking my dick because in in my world, 
I can, I have other people for that. Like you have your action buddy movie <laughs> well, friend, yeah. you have your rom-com luxury. movie friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's, I mean, I but, don't think, I would think I would probably feel more guilt if we were monogamous. Like I would feel more right. that I need to provide the service to my partner if we were monogamous because he wouldn't have other dick sucking buds, you know? Yeah. Dick, dick sucking buds. buds. No, I've thought of hiring DSP, a bee, like baby. a blowjob girl. Like I'm paying her some kind of like a day rate. Yeah. To uh, suck <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. yeah. But, it, but it, it, like you know, oral, maybe an oral set, some kind, kind of. But I'm like, then is that sex slavery? Is that? Uh, well, I mean, she want to be there, right? But then, ideally. but you can't technically pay people to do that. That's illegal. You can't pay people to blow people. Yeah, you I mean, have, you, you have to pay it's them. It's called to, sex work. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no not, not in New York. No, you can't no, legally. It's not legal, it's not legal, but you right? Can pay them. I have a that, feeling you could probably find. That's someone. what I'm saying. I'm like, you pay it's them for to be a Craigslist to organize your closet, right? And then you open the door to your closet, and your boyfriend's dick is mine. <laughs> is this an R. Kelly video? No, there's the no peeing. What's the kinkiest thing you guys do? Let's get into that because I've never well, talked well, to you about your sex stuff. Kink is stuff. a frame of mind. Something that's really okay, funny well, for, for us. You. What, what fidelity for us is is actually about Netflix. Yeah. And I hear that can't watch the other person's show without yeah. each other. Yeah, kind of that's yeah, sacrilegious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and Marvel movies. And like Marvel movies. Marvel movies and Netflix. Yeah, on. we just said, yeah, We're like Mar- Marvel Magamus. No, don't. well, but you guys are each other. It would. It, it, the correct verbiage, though, to describe you guys is you're you're each other's primary partner, right? Yeah, yeah, we well, use that's that. What, yeah, that's yeah. what we use. Yeah, but which, some poly which, people don't have that, or you think? Yeah, or I mean, no, some people can kind of uh, bristle at the notion of like hierarchy, right? Air quotes hierarchy. Um, and for us, like primary means like we we have a home together, we, we have a finances. bank account, like all the things that you would expect from like a married for, couple. For me, what primary means, and this would also kind of apply to like secondary relationships, is people that are that are that are in my inner circle. For me, for whom, if I'm making life decisions, I would consider how it impacts them. Hmm. Like some people. Okay. Well, because think of it this way. Like like the easiest way to start making connections to to open relationships and an emotional, you know, non-monogamy works really well with certain with people, how they view friendship and also like rearing kids because you're allowed to have more kids than one and love them all. Like that's oh, the, yeah. like that's usually that's, like one better though. Yeah, always right. Well, but but I mean, and, wait, and wait, wait. Poly, that's true. Because my poly. mom said that she loved us both the same. <laughs> I think my mom actually does love us both pretty equally. But like sometimes, some days, nah. Some days, yeah. She does treat us differently. Mm. So, but the idea, the idea of with friends, if you got a gig and you needed to move. Would would you base your your consideration on the move as to whether your your best friend was okay with it or not, or no. whether they could come with you or not? No, no. There are some people; their best friend friendships are kind of they wouldn't move unless they could come. Their friend could come with them. Hear that? Is Tommy? that Remember when you moved to California? In quotes, that was. Just I mean, a my best my friend's best moving friends. to Philadelphia it makes me real fucking sad, but. But you wouldn't say. But I would not want her to stay here. She's yeah. want to be here. You would not say you don't love me. Oh, not I'm at not all. I'm not important to you because you're having a life without me in another town. Oh yeah, good point. Right. I see where you're going with this. Right? So, so where it comes back around to like for for me and some of my close close relationships, where you are in in my air quotes heart <laughs> is how I how much I would actually weigh in about my life decisions and mm. how they affect you not like i'm being mm, callous I, I see yeah but how what's the am i destroying the ecosystem that i have with my 
my lovers is very similar to how some people are like, am I destroying my ecosystem with my friends? I see. That makes sense. Now, what if you are interested in exploring, say, an open relationship where you can even just make out with other people because you like the thrill of chasing it. But your other partner, your partner, Steven, is like, eh, I don't want you to do things sexually Steven, without me being there. We and need I, to make a sizzle of how many times you've asked how many different people and like... I'm just collecting answers. Because he, I mean, he edits it. He knows I've, I've I talked like, to him about it. But Christmas gift <clears throat> idea for Steven? <laughs> but I don't even have anybody in mind. I just want the freedom to be able to do it should I have somebody in mind because yes. I do believe it's not wrong if you have a crush on somebody else I mean you don't have, if it, making don't, out seems like an easy one I right? would, I would for even though. make it for me I would say yes I would settle yeah. for mutual masturbation yeah. and making out sounds like a fantastic plan that's one of my favorite parts about being in an open relationship <sighs> is being able to be in a different city when readers when reader or I are traveling and I'm like I can just meet somebody and if I'm excited about them like I don't have to like Furtively text bad. my partner in the bathroom, being like, "Hey, babe, can I?" I yeah, just like, I can do I that. My blessing. Yeah, and, and, and you really great. don't care how. Well, but we we do have like some guidelines. Like oh. for us, it's be safe. Yeah, well, and oh, then for sure, you know. And then for me, it's like I don't try to disrupt the our ecosystem. Like like one of one of the teaching analogies I use is it's like I have a saltwater tank and a freshwater fish tank. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to bring people into my tank with Allison, and we could debate which, if you're saltwater or freshwater. I'm definitely a lionfish. Um, but like, but which one is the, which water? But, <laughs> but again, like Fresh. I don't, I don't bring people into Salt. Allison's <laughs> fish tank unless I have good evidence that, that they will cohabitate in the fish tank well. Like just because I really so like this goldfish, I'm not going to throw all... them into a saltwater <laughs> right. tank. You yeah, don't so you don't meet with two girls you're in love with and you tell them in the same room when you fucking uh, <laughs> well, no, lay it on them. <laughs> well, this is no, but this is the upgrade. The upgrade is now: Are you okay with me being in love with other people and having them in our home? Oh shit! Okay, yeah, because so you really do mean I, I, date, yeah. I date my species now. Okay. When I started dating sluts, I was gonna say sluts, right? That's they. Species. They weren't mad at me for how slutty I was, but we don't have healthy role models for male promiscuity. We yet. really don't, because no one is responsible with it. I, I feel like the way you were respectful and asked those questions, I, you can't find a straight guy. That it's like, how it. do you? If you, it, and this was my my problem as I figured out who I was. If I'm gonna sleep with a lot of people. <laughs> Okay, whatever you think a lot is, yeah, put zero you, at the end of it, okay, right? Yeah, more than Gene Simmons. Oh, please say yes. Please say yes. It's yeah. I think that's impossible. Honestly. Well, I mean, it, it was he's Gene Simmons. I mean, come on. Like, yeah. I'm, if I was a rock and roll star, like that, that doesn't even seem like you would get anything done. But the idea of <laughs> if you're going to sleep with a lot of people, whatever that means to you, and and your goal is to leave the campsite better than you found it, mm-hmm. then what does that look like actualized? Right. And so when you start nerding out on that and actually having having all the conversations and deconstructing things and talking to other people and skill set sharing, then part of what it is, is, oh, if you're monogamous and you want to get married and have kids within a year, I it is out of integrity for me to hit on you. Right. It's like, not right. I'm not I don't belong in your ecosystem. What the clearly, fuck am I that's doing? Your ecosystem. Yeah. Which is OK. Huh. So I should tell Stephen that the, no, no. <laughs> no, but it, it, it is interesting because we are very comfortable talking about it. And the, one of the reasons that made me fall in love with him so quick, in addition to everything that, that I love about him, is 
we kind of had this conversation at the very beginning of like monogamy is kind of weird and it doesn't feel exactly right. And even just that made me like feel so safe and comfortable and like not trapped. And we, but we've never, I mean, we've had three ways, but we've never cheated on each other. So I feel like even just that notion is just a weight lifted. Well, I think there's, I mean, that's the interesting, I mean, the monogamy, you have the kind of uh, restrictions based on whatever you decide is the restriction. But I think that like a lot of people use polyamory as an excuse to be just sloppy as fuck. And mm, that's like, you'll be like, uh, like, and you'll, and you'll hear these, you'll read these editorials be like, I'm never dating a polyamorous person again. I've heard those notions, like very judgy on the poly right, community. Because, like, they just assume that it's basically that it's just like slutty with bad boundaries, right? Yeah, because I've heard a lot of my friends or people I've known in, in open relationships they're just like i'll be at dinner with them and they're like always on tinder and i'm like i mean just because you can see other people doesn't mean you constantly have to be looking like it was irritating me and i wasn't even involved like that (laughs) yeah that would irritate that's irritating me and i wasn't even there because there is something that i mean and i know that's like it's hacked to say but there is something that you're like how fucking greedy are you like that and and i know that's like it it, it can be hurtful but it's like i think we like to say things that we feel here on the guys podcast but but it seems to me like I, i know what kind of people you're talking about it's like they need to be just in search of somebody at all times because they're empty inside themselves it seems like <sighs> yeah i don't even know what it is uh, but it's just it just it Do just you know? felt weird and I, if i it, there's nothing in me that could make me okay with my partner constantly searching for something because at a certain point it's like what are you looking for yeah and this is the thing that my, my i had a heart to heart with my mom one night because uh-huh. my reed and i had been together for like six years at this point and it was the holidays it was just my mom and i alone and we had a couple of martinis between yeah, us and there's a rule that they're not allowed to have more than one martini to oh, get after this conversation oh, yes i love oh, no, martini they're been. really good Two i want each one right tops. now i know i'll um, make you one with just vodka oh my God. <laughs> that's just vodka so just vodka <laughs> just yeah that's just all i have i have a cup of vodka all in a martini <laughs> but like oh, whatever you want so, so i've been with reed for years at this point and she they knew all everything they knew that we were open i mean we, all our our lives are on YouTube. Our I, lives are I, I everywhere. I post my STD res, STI results on Facebook. Yeah. Because that's the easiest way to get it. Stop bragging. Yeah. We have a very transparent life. And so my, my parents <laughs> have had to deal with a lot of information. Yeah. And <laughs> they didn't quite know that. Like, they knew that I was a sex educator, but they didn't quite know what that meant. And they, my mom had never been to a sex toy store that wasn't like one of the places by the airport with the big X's like painted on the roof. Right. Like, right. she just didn't know anything about. you park in the back. Right. She yeah. didn't know a babe land. She didn't know a good vibrations. Right. She didn't know that stuff. And so so she had this notion of what we did. And I again, like, we and I have been together for like six years. We were, we, my mom and I were deep into our cups. And she's like, so what do you do at night when he's out? And I'm like, what do you mean, mom? And she's like, like when he's at, you know, looking for, or out with dates. And I'm like, hey, mom, like, do you think he's like at the bar every night trolling for strange? And she's like, well, <laughs> like, she's like, I, she just had nothing to compare it to. And I'm like, Mom, like, so you know how you had that like wine tasting party with your friends and they all came over and we all hung out and listened to music and it was fun. We do that too, but then we just have sex. Like we have play parties or orgies or we'll go to a club and we'll we'll have sex with people or Reed will go on a date with somebody that I enjoy spending time with who's a cool person. Mm-hmm. Like that's what our open relationship looks like. It doesn't look like Reed's leaving me home alone knitting in front of the TV while waiting for mm. my man to get back. Yeah. yeah. And she just didn't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. Because- and I mean, you're her daughter and you, mm. she wants to make sure like your 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 needs are being met and stuff. That, that, that makes sense. Right. But so I think that there is this notion, I think that kind of 
the popular notion still is that polyamory means like it's just you're never it's never enough. You're never satisfied. You're always looking for new next exciting things. And that can some people are into that and some people are all into trolling for strange or exciting, excited about meeting new people. But a lot of non-monogamous people, they're really happy with like just a couple of people that they also like love and have sex with. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think I just know a lot of people who are doing it real wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, because, to be honest, what, what does healthy casual sex even mean Ugh. like it's an oxymoron right about that for right weeks reading. Reading. <laughs> funny you should ask <laughs> oh. it's whatever it means to you as long as you feel good about what you do with your body and everyone's consenting well okay so just a follow-up question uh so it's like how are, are you interacting with each other's partners like every one of each other's partners or only select ones you're both queer See, and that's, then you bring home someone that he wants to fuck and you the, bring home so- that's the part where i have is not that's the part that i have trouble because it's like what are the chances that you're separately going to like and then want to like have, are you having sex with each? What's happening? Yeah. So I have a girlfriend that Reed does not have sex with. They're, they have a very sibling relationship. Um, and so she's my girlfriend. She lives in Los Angeles. I see her like, you know, once every couple of months. How often do you talk to her? We talk, well now, so when we when, when I moved from Oakland to Portland, Oregon, like now we, we Marco Polo, like on a fairly regular basis, oh. like every other day or something. Yeah. But yeah, we, the, the distance is actually, I think an asset to our relationship. Cause she's like got her own life. I got my own life, but we are like in love and we see each other when we can. And we have awesome vacation sex pretty much whenever we're together. It's wonderful. Does she have another yeah, partner? Yeah. 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 Okay. And so she's, wow. yeah. And she, she, she has <sighs> other people and, mm-hmm. um, and she, and I, for a long time she had a, guy that she saw that was it was kind of great because it was kind of like her read right and so when okay. she and I were together oh, we, like we cool. had all of our like our home stuff taken care of and we could just be together and be like girls together and like have really hot like gay time together yeah and then I went fights, back to, right? but what if you wanted to bang jello fights what if you wanted <laughs> to hang with her and have sex with her but then Ree was like you know oh you want to come out with me and you're like but I gotta going to my girlfriend I'm busy like, yeah that, because yeah. I mean maybe I'm thinking of, I know that you're not always you guys aren't always like on the prowl and stuff and it just kind of life happens and you and if you meet someone you like great and you happen to meet a lot of people that you really like but what if that happens what if she wants you to come to her Thanksgiving. I mean, it's like, but does my Thanksgiving? Yeah, on? scheduling logistics. These yeah. are concerns. I mean, I can barely, like, sometimes I feel like I barely have enough time for my one. one partner. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that's a true thing. Like, how, how it, do you have a process or, like, how do you make sure you're giving everyone the time that they deserve? Yeah, I mean, time oh, management is, like, the number one issue in polyamorous relationships. Okay. Yeah, like, Google Calendar has saved so many relationships, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's, actually, but you're, it's about, like, what actually makes people feel, as Reed would say, like, loved, honored, and cherished, right? Like, what what mm. thing? So it's like you know, with with Sandra, my girlfriend, different Sandra, not his ex ex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she, you know, we like holidays. Eh, meh, you know, she not that big of a deal. But like when we're together, we really want to be together. And okay. so um, for us, it's more about like, well, hey, let's schedule a time when you know reads out of town, and so we can have the house to ourselves, and we don't feel like we're being pulled in separate directions. I definitely have a little bit of like the FOMO situation where it's like when I'm with uh, one partner, I miss the other one, and I'm, and it's like we went. To, I mean, sometimes we go to festival. Like we had gone to a festival together all three of us and like we I had dates on with each of them on individual nights and like on Friday I was with Reed and I missed Sandra and on Saturday I was with Sandra and I missed Reed but like I think that's just like a function of just those, those are abundance of, issues. Yeah, those are exactly abundance issues and, like and how lucky never, I am to have that problem. Yeah, I was going to say it sounds kind of nice cuz yeah. then you're always it, like yearning and loving and when and, you do see yeah. are with one of your partners you just appreciate them and you're like excited to see them and well, where like as a as a sex geek and as a nerd about this stuff the thing i would that i would advocate that people consider is to answer the question like why be in a relationship at all 
Like figure out for yourself yeah. what is your intention or what's your reason for being in a relationship. Also, you know, bonus points if you figure out what's your relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. A lot of people never, never, yeah. were never given You're the permission. <laughs> and then yeah. figure out what's your intention to be in a relationship with another human being. Like, like for Allison, like, like what's our shared intention? For she and I to be together. What is our shared intention? Yeah, what well, is it? What's your shared is, intention? This is where I'm really like full of shit because <laughs> because I teach this. I have a worksheet for the fucking thing. But then people are like, well, what's yours with Allison? I'm like, well, yeah. just fucking like her, man. <laughs> Shut up. Well, but but I would say I would put words to this, and you can you can reveal all okay. here. My commitment to you is to I will leave you before you stop being yourself. Say that in a different way. Like, like if if I thought you were compromising who you were for yourself for me, mm. I would stop the relationship. Yeah, because oh, I see, I see. my commitment to you is that our relationship will will allow you to be a hundred and twenty percent yourself. Mm. And so, as long as you, I feel like you're getting to be a hundred and twenty percent yourself, and I'm getting to be a hundred and twenty percent myself. The we just need to figure out where the how we overlap. But who's to say if you if you perceive that she is not being one hundred and twenty percent herself, but she's like, no, I am. Mm, well, I'll trust her. Okay. Right, but but good we, answer. But, but we have. <laughs> I was like, she knows herself. Not but, but we we have the communication abilities to have those adult conversations. Right. Most people aren't even even at the precipice of that. Like they don't have the communication skills to have a difficult conversation with each other. Ooh. I have a question that Stephen had asked about that we were like, yeah, what, what do you fight about? <laughs> I can't imagine you guys fighting because you're such great communicators. Well, we mean, don't fight that much. I mean, we, we have like, like three days a year. Yeah. We, wow. New Year's is always like a really d- touchy time for us. We always tend to f- have a fight on New Year's Eve. Well, that's Why? a big fighting day for everyone. <laughs> really? Yeah. Day, yeah. Any holiday might as well get the last fight in of yeah. the year. But yes. we're also too coming, much high stakes. We're yeah. coming off of spending usually a week to ten days with, with her parents. with her folks. Oh, which oh, is oh that will make any couple. <laughs> which is great for me because I, I love her fight folks. with the wall, and yeah. because her folks are so much healthier than my folks were. Mm. So I love being yeah being with them. But I also I just get like tapped on 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 a human contact, and then New Year's yes. becomes like let's have an orgy, and I'm like I hate yeah. people. Can right. I not be See, now I'm, you're really speaking my language. Okay, I get <laughs> well, this. And you, you oh, I don't want to fuck a bunch of people. You identify as an introvert. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So, you know, I'm an extrovert. For me, New it's Year's is my holiday where I invite all my lovers to come. And we Whoa. just, we all, we take over the house for three or four days and we fuck and we play board games. And Happy we watch movies and New we Year. fuck and we cook and we fuck and we cook. Mm-hmm. Well, are you and there? Then, yeah. And, oh, wow. And then eventually Allison's like, Leave. Everyone must leave. Right. And oh, do your yeah. lovers come to New Year's as well? Or just it, see, this is the interesting thing. So we and I teach a workshop that we call slut 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 light because he's a slut <laughs> and I identify as slut light, which is to say, like, I will have sex with somebody after I have talked with them for a half an hour, but it's really rare. Like I'm very selective in my sluttery, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I'm slut light. Yeah. Just okay. Selective slut. I yeah. love this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think that's, so what's interesting is like, I have, again, like I have Reed, I have Sandra and I have like a, a couple of sexy friendships and sometimes I'll go to a, a party and I'll be like, yeah, I want to do you. And that'll be it forever. Um, but it's, it's fleetingly rare, right? Mm, okay. What's, and Reed is like, he likes having sex he's with slut, his friends. Slut. He's slut, slut. Yeah. He's capitalist. Like, slut. have you had a sex you? with someone else today? 
Um, I, <laughs> what a prude. I hung you out haven't? with a lover of mine today, but, but we you didn't. didn't have sex today. Okay. And also, I got to, can we talk about lover? The word lover. <laughs> can we, I really need to, I cannot what? not think of fucking Will Ferrell and Rachel no. Trash eating Welcome chicken in a hot tub. tub. <laughs> I feel like they ruined a perfectly good word. I really like the word. And it's a lot hard of for me to say it no. seriously. I didn't like it before then, but I mean, it's when people, like, because I remember my roommate one time in college referred to my boyfriend as my lover and I almost had a stroke. <laughs> So that word rings to me as well. And I, I don't, and I, it was before the SNL sketch. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. That I, just like solidified. That was just like, oh, why, though. they were thinking what we were thinking. Yeah, I love love. Right. And, so but love And even like make love, I could maybe let pass. I couldn't, I couldn't. Maybe. For me, for me. So I don't know, but how did you, like, did you have a conversation about choosing words or like, does it just not matter? <laughs> I don't know. I'm word obsessed. Like, I think it's yeah. a comedian thing. Like, yeah. I just like, every word is very important to me. Like, writing is the most important thing to me. I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with it. Well, and it, it, they like the words hold a lot of value. Not like words people call me, but you, how I, what I choose to say lines. things. Yeah, like that doesn't bother me. Well, but, but, but being intentional with the words that you use, mm-hmm. and uh, when people, when people use words to as shorthand for their identity, uh-huh. like I'm very intentional with that. That I tell people I'm a queer polyamorous slut. Okay, that's the easiest way to to get the conversation going and to scare all the wrong yeah, people, away. all the losers away. Not yeah. losers. I know, I know. Right? <laughs> but like, the people who wouldn't be interested in that, it would have to. You would have to wait and talk to them hours upon hours to find out that. Oh, okay, nah. Yeah, it does give us a lot of information about you. And and I'm not throwing it in people's faces, but I am like I'm letting people know that oh, you know, this is who I am. Who are you? Yeah. You know, and if you're not a queer polyamorous slut, I'll still talk to you because you're a human being with all these facets. And I'm a nerd. Mm-hmm. Like, but I'm not going to sit here and talk about the weather. Right. Unless you're a meteorologist. And I'm like, well, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So lover for me is that's a term that I use and my my lovers seem to feel fine with it. I have a <laughs> friend of mine who uses beloved and I'm like, that's a little heavy for me. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. Oh. I like that. That sounds like it's some Edgar Allan Poe That bullshit. is sweet. Like Rumi Hafiz. That sounds like someone who might kill you. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. But I like to live on the edge like that. One thing we have to wrap, but one thing I wanted to touch on that we were talking about last night about, mm. um, I think it's such an important conversation with like, uh, for example, Louis C.K., right? And I was asked, Stephen and I were asking like, is it the kink that they don't, the person doesn't want to be there. Is that the kink? And we were kind of like trying to figure that out and like the varying levels of, of sexual assault and, and sexual, like if, is it a kink? Is it not? And I'm just curious if you can re speak to that because I think how much time do we have? (laughs) How much, how much time, how much time do we have? Quick Um, closing question. Yeah. yeah, Like quick closing. Five to six. So, Minutes. We'll so, light. Yeah. What if we just light them at five? We'll, <laughs> That's a stand-up thing. Yes, we'll yes, come back. Flashing light. Um, I'm just gonna ignore the light, like some comics I've seen. Yeah. Run, run the light, baby. But like you have had conversations <laughs> yeah. with with people that have not uh, been consensual with other people, and oh. and you and it's important to have those conversations. It's important for a man to have a conversation with another man who has maybe done something that it was non was non consensual, yeah. and sometimes it's like they don't. No, sometimes they do know. It's a lot of levels there's, and layers. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening right now that is is not nuanced yet. We're breaking new ground socially that hasn't really been broken before. And my best advice for for the men out there um, 
is if you feel like you can't trust society right now and you're very, you feel very afraid and on edge, the gift in this right now, this has nothing to do with about the world being fair or unfair. What you're experiencing right now is what women and, and people of color and women of color and other yeah. minorities um, have been experiencing their, a lot of their whole lives. And now you, you have a bridge of empathy to be compassionate and realize, oh, this fucking sucks. And the world has not felt safe for so many other people. Mostly I'm talking to, to white guys right now. Cisgender white guys. Cisgender yeah, white yeah, guys. Yeah. Um, so this is the gift right now. And there's, there will be more advice and, and, you know, tools coming soon, but we're kind of creating them right now. It's really kind of exciting. It's exciting, but it's, it's scary as fuck yeah. for the men that I'm talking to. Um, yeah, we were talking earlier about like the, the word reckoning, right? Like this is a time of reckoning. Reckoning. And what's interesting is like we're talking about that in terms of culture, right? Like we are reckoning with American culture and sex and all the way, fucked up ways we, we understand sex. But also I think a lot of people are reckoning with incidences from their past. Like Reed and I are both getting emails from people saying... I just realized in genders. college, this, yeah, I, I, of all genders, look, I just realized in college, this weird thing happened to me, or I did this weird thing. And I don't know how to, yeah. to reckon with the information that I'm suddenly aware of. And so I think right now is like, it's just so much stuff is shaking loose. There's a lot of anxiety and fear right now. And there, there's not a whole lot of room for nuance because it's just all this stuff. People are just starting to notice all the places where shit was weird or wrong or, yeah awkward or just it's not bad. right. Didn't feel right. Yeah. And so I think right now we're, we're seeing all of it shake loose and that's a real weird gift because we're like, wow, like I can suddenly recontextualize this thing. I mean, it's kind of like when you start to realize what a microaggression is with race and you're like, oh shit, that one thing that I said to that one person like 12 years ago was a microaggression. Yeah. And I feel like a dick and yeah. they probably forgot about it. But like I, now I'm suddenly realizing all the places where I don't understand. Racial oh, dynamics. that's a good way to put it. Yeah. 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 I've been getting a lot of DM apologies. I don't yeah. need them. <laughs> It's Corinne. I don't need no apology. I mean, because I, I you're right. Your fucking apology. When you said they probably don't remember, I didn't remember. Right. Uh, yeah, because Corinne was saying that she's had people like reach out to her from things. years ago, did something that she didn't even recall, and they were like, "I'm so sorry." And she's like, "What?" <laughs> well, it's also because I don't trust that it's coming from like a a good, a, place. a good place where it's like I truly feel bad. I think it's like, oh, this big mouth whore has that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably uh, patch things up. <laughs> Or gets before this gets into an issue, before someone comes and arrests me at this open mic that I'm, <laughs> that I'm performing at right now. Well, and that's the thing is we don't have a lot of context right now for how if if you realize you might have been shitty, mm -hmm. right? And even for me, like being a consent nerd and, and a sex geek, like I had a lot of unexamined white male privilege 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, certainly. So I'm like, well, fuck, like. Even even with with my my friends who are not white, like now that I'm nerding out on race and and a bunch of stuff, I'm like, so so this this and this, and I'm like, I fucking I must have been an asshole to you when we first met, and they're like, yeah, wow, but, but you were a well-meaning asshole, yeah. and and I believed in you, so that's why we had that conversation. <laughs> that's why I kept telling you, I kept calling you, back. you, I love this. But I believe like, you but, know race is real. Well, no, but they're like, and that's why I had this conversation. And do you remember yeah. that conversation? I'm like, yeah. Oh, fuck. oh, the roadmap. Like kind of you connected. were, you were, you, and you were helping me. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, how is it paying off? 
So, so well, and there you're lucky to have a patient friend who's willing to educate a you because shit ton of them. Yeah, that's so great. What most men don't have right now is we don't have a context for how we make people whole that we were shitty with or like not just like, ooh, that was that Done. was fucked up, yeah. but like that was fucked up. Like we don't know how to like restorative justice techniques haven't they're not widespread yet. Yeah. So somebody reaching I can't out can't even think of any somebody <laughs> reaching out to you to apologize, like you're gonna sit here in in, in your you know position of authority as a, somebody who has a a, a popular podcast and you're like ah, i don't trust them mm-hmm. and then what how do they apologize how do they make amends and we don't have those tools yet. i just don't even know who this person these people right. are it just seemed yeah yeah but, but, and also but like way. i do hold on to guilty things the things that i've done with people or interactions that i feel bad that maybe i was mean or unkind to and they don't fucking give a shit and also i know a lot of comedians and i know this these people are fucking full of shit. <laughs> Comedians like, are different breeds. Yeah, yeah, and, and they are. But, but that but, should be caged. But it's like how, <laughs> including us, bring in the cages. It's not a safe space. <laughs> but again, like it's it's like so. How do we? What do we need to teach people? What do we need to create and 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 make available to culture for us truly to leave i mean it sounds so cliche, but leave the campsite better than we right. found it. Yeah, when you fucked up the campsite. Yeah. Six years ago. What if the campsite's like, I don't want to see you again because you're going to fuck me up even more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like, we're just beginning those things. And and, I mean, Allison has been really supportive of me because this is, I think this might be the next big area for me to keep investigating and nerding out on. Yeah. So if people want to reach out to me and I'll point them at resources that I think are are useful so far. I feel like you would be a good person because I was I was telling you I was telling them last night how you know we've I've asked a couple times and then we were on Rogan I had mentioned it about how like if you've ever raped somebody just email me and tell you why you do because I don't you know and and you were saying that you had had these conversations with a couple people and yeah. and kind of trying to dissect like what were your intentions and what were, where could I find the misunderstandings and I think it's important for men to be role models like that to other men so where can people contact you? <laughs> Uh, you can find me at girlsex101.com. 101, the numbers? Yeah. 101? Okay, numbers perfect. 101. Uh, and also on Twitter at either Hey Allie Moon, which is A-L-I-E Moon, um, or at girlsex101 on Twitter. Awesome. Yeah. And then for me, it's it's read about sex, R-E-I-D about sex, pretty much everywhere. Um, and if people are looking specifically for consent yeah. information, then go to readaboutsex.com forward slash consent. Oh, perfect. And that'll point people at- You have at, a lot of great resources on your website. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you, I'm, and I'm books and and I'm gonna keep trying to find more because I really think we're at this important place, you know, and 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 I know a lot of well-meaning men who are like, "How do I set this right?" And I'm like, "Depends what she wants," mm-hmm. and and they're like, I, "But I haven't talked to her in five years." I'm like, "I don't have good information yet for that." Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like questions. I just don't like apologies for no reason. <laughs> Yeah, I've been oh, yeah, that that, clear. That's a good way to do it. Like, I love questions. Because that means you care yeah, more, honestly. Even, like, as a little Jewish kid, like, when people will be, like, come up to me in class and be like, why are Jews so cheap? I'd be like, you know what? You know what? <laughs> At I am, least, yeah. I am glad you asked me. Instead of saying, you cheap Jew. Just, ca- just calling, like, talking to your other Gentile friends and being like, yo, Jews are cheap Jews be mad, cheap. So, like, ask me. Like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, like, the most poetic way to ask it. But, like, I was like, oh, I can give you a great explanation for this. And yeah. it's fine. And now Google fucking exists. Yeah. <laughs> so I can true. only imagine. <laughs> if Why are Jews cheap, Google? 
Oh, I know you voted for. And on that note, uh, this has been Guys We Fuck, the anti-slut shaming podcast. We'll talk to you next Friday. Waste my time, I'll show them what I'm made of. Cause nothing scares me and that's what I'm afraid of. Behind the full moon there's only night sky The end is so soon and I don't care why Nothing scares me and that's what I'm afraid of Cause it started from our place in your hometown At the bottom of the valley it grows now And you want it but you'll never go home now by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. Get matched with your perfect therapist who can put you on the path to a happier life. For a special offer just for Guys We Fucked listeners, visit Talkspace.com slash GWF.